super good morning everyone and welcome to the 7 a.m eastern time overeaters anonymous a vision for you big book study my name is amy g and i'm recovered compulsive overeater from maryland today's date is thursday august 4th 2022 and today we are reading from the big book of alcoholics anonymous and we are at page 19 the fourth paragraph down at the bottom of the page there of necessity there will have to be discussion of matters going through that paragraph onto page 20 ending with we may help their needs unpacking that one paragraph only today's readers are and thank you so much team thursday chris m nancy r martha z kelly g anita l Newcomer greeter, Katie G, and host for the second awesome unrecorded hour, Chris G. The reference numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 19,244. That's 19244. 10 a.m., 19,249. That's 19249. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Kelly G to read the 12 steps. Please go ahead, Kelly. Good morning, Kelly G, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Florida, grateful to do service. Here are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asking to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Amy. Thank you so much, Kelly G. I will now ask for Anita L. to read the 12 traditions. Please go ahead, Anita. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much, Anita L. All right, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the direction for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only, please. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. Again, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. 
Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book. We are on page 19 on the fourth paragraph, reading that paragraph only. And I am going to ask Chris M. to get us started. Go ahead, Chris. Can't wait to hear you. Thanks for your service, Amy. This is Chris M. from Ontario, Canada, Compulsive Overeater Recovered. Okay, so of necessity, there will have to be discussion of matters medical, psychiatric, social, and religious. We are aware that these matters are, from their very nature, controversial. Nothing would please us so much as to write a book which would contain no basis for contention or argument. We shall do our utmost to achieve that ideal. Most of us sense that real tolerance of <clears throat> excuse me, other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a respect for their opinions are attitudes which make us more useful to others. Our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. So I love this paragraph and just read this uh, last night in our home group too. And um, it really made me think, you know, about how it's so easy to, um, you know, when we're at any kind of, of meeting, there's all kinds of different uh, people. We're all from different backgrounds. We all have different viewpoints. And, you know, it's so important. I mean, this paragraph was written before the traditions and, you know, was, I guess, the beginning of all, all of that. Um, but, you know, nothing would please us so much as to write a book which will contain no basis for contention or argument. Well, I mean, as humans, we there's always going to be difference of of opinion. Um, but you know, the the line that most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a respect for their opinions are attitudes which make us more useful to others. And, you know, the whole point is for us to to remain, uh, those of us that are recovered, the whole point is to stay recovered. We have to be useful to others and, you know, share the message to people that are still suffering. And, you know, as the tradition that was just read, you know, uh, we need to have unity within our group and, uh this is just a reminder that we can all, you know, share our truth and our interpretations and still still be uh, united in our mission to be useful to others and, um, you know, provide, provide that service to the people that are still suffering. So just such an amazing paragraph and a reminder that I needed to hear from my higher power, not just once, but twice this week. Um, that is, uh, the irony of that is, uh, you know, is it odd or is it God? So with that, um, I will pass, but I just want to say thank you for everybody uh, on the line for your service today. And I'm looking forward to hearing all the shares. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Chris M., for getting us started. All right. So we're going to take some names for people that would like to share on what was read. Uh, first, I'd like to 
friendly reminder that if you've shared in the last couple of days, let's say Tuesday and Wednesday, although we appreciate hearing your experience, strength, and hope, we would also like to hear from others as well. So if you could step back and let some others share, that would be awesome. So who would like to share on what was read? Name and Tina S. your last name. Tina. Sorry. Nessa R. Nessa H. Janet. Dara L. Dara, Dara L. Did you get Nessa R? Nessa, I did get you. Uh, there was John someone else for Janet B. I think I missed. John R. B. John M. Lisa R. B. There we go. Lisa, I think I missed you. Lisa R. B. Okay. Anyone else? All right. This is who I have. Tina S. Nessa R. Janet B. Dara L, John M, Lisa R B. Anyone else? Okay, we have a rock star lineup. Here we go. Oh, I'm sorry. Who was that? Lee H. Lee. All righty. We'll bring you right in there. Don't want to miss you. Okay, so here we go. Tina S, Nessa R, Janet B, Dara L, John M, Lisa R B, Lee H. Okie dokie, Tina, you're up. Please go ahead, grab the mic, and let's roll. Thanks so much, Amy. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a great lead. You know, when I first started reading the big book, you know, I thought this paragraph really, you know, was just not much information. Well, I certainly don't believe that today, you know, because it says, of necessity, there will have to be discussion of matters medical, psychiatric, social, and religious. You know, even though they are controversial, you know, the good news for many of us in the rooms is that there is some outside help and we certainly need to, to get it if we need it, you know, because even though Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, for me, the big book is it has a solution to all my problems. Some of my problems are, you know, uh, medical, psychiatric, social, or religious. And so that if I get that help outside the rooms, then certainly, you know, the way of life that I'm living today is more fruitful and and enjoyable and free, you know, because if I don't get that help that I'm needed, even though it tells me that all my, all my problems will be solved, you know, I have to get the help that is suggested, you know, and I, and I don't want to harp on that. I just, because I didn't think that that was the case when I first got here. You know, I just thought all I needed was the big book and that was it, you know. So today, you know, I really read the black and not in between the words in the book, you know, and um, and I really take the suggestions, you know, and I love that it, you know, that it says it's controversial because we wouldn't be human if it weren't, you know, and so therefore, you know, I have the opportunity, which it tells me, to have some real tolerance, you know, and respect others' opinions and attitudes, you know, and that's not something I ever did when I got here, <laughs> you know, because if you didn't believe the way that I believed, then you were probably wrong. Well, you know, who was probably wrong was me. You know, and today, you know, even though I don't have that all the time, I have a little more of that tolerance and respect for other people's attitudes and opinions, you know. And so, therefore, I live my life on a different level and, and free and more at peace today. You know, and then it says, what this all does is it makes me more useful to others. Duh. You know, and that's my primary purpose. You know, you know my, the main objective here is for me to fit myself to be of maximum service to God and to 
people, the people about me. And that's the bottom line, you know, and how do I meet their needs? You know, so once I get, all, get out of all this uh, um, prejudice, you know, about whatever I think is going on in the other, in religion or medical, psychiatric or social uh, arenas, you know, then I can be of maximum service to the people about me. And what that is for me today is to just share my experience, strength, and hope that I have a life today. You know, I've had a transformation that come about that only for, for me that came about only through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, to have a transformation of spiritual awakening, that I'm a different person today and that I can be free and that I share this with others. Because if I want to keep it, I better give it away. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. All righty. All right. Thank you so much, Tina S. from Florida. Next up, we have Nessa R. and then Janet B. Go ahead, Nessa. Your turn. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. So controversy, contention, and argument, those only happen when uh, one tries to impose their views, values, um, beliefs on another person and um, this is what makes the rooms of OA and I imagine like the rooms of all anonymous groups so so safe for us because we check all outside issues at the door we don't talk about politics or current events or um, you know I guess even even actual specific religions and even actual specific beliefs in, in, in God because here we are all equal we all come here for the same reason. We are all compulsive overeaters who have tried everything possible to deal with the food and the weight, and we have not been successful. And, and you know, like, I, I didn't get here on a, on, a, on a winning streak. OA was not the first thing that I tried to deal with my, with my food, um, you know, and, and, it's, and it's very safe here. I, I've even had, you know, I have friends who don't believe what I believe, um, I have uh, sponsees, um, actually, um, that in their step four, they have um, demonstrated support for some of my beliefs. I've had sponsees who in the step four have actually uh, demonstrated resentment towards people who hold beliefs like some of the beliefs I believe. And none of them would have known. Nobody, no, no, none of them would know exactly what I believe because it doesn't matter in these rooms of OA. We are here um, for the same purpose. So when I take a step five, I'm not looking to identify who's friend or foe. I mean, that's not what it's about. It's I'm here to help. I'm here to transmit what has been so freely given me, you know, and they don't care. And I don't care if, if I believe in, 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 in this thing or that thing or this God or that God It's you know, help me identify how I'm being selfish, dishonest, or seeking and fearful. And that's all that matters. And this is, this is what makes these groups um, so special and so safe for me because I don't have to defend myself um, and other people don't have to defend themselves in, in front of me and our beliefs. It's not a debate club. It's, it's a mutual um, um, help kind of group where we all trudge this road together. And I am so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for the traditions that enable, um, that enable this kind of culture to flourish. It doesn't happen anywhere else. It only happens here. Um, and I'm, I'm just really grateful. I'm so grateful and so proud to, to be part of this. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nessa R. 
All right, Janet B, you're up, followed by Dara L. Go ahead, Janet. Hi, good morning. It's Janet B, Recovered Compulsive Theater in New Jersey. Um, so I'm driving, so I may not have the line exactly right, but it says that of necessity there will have to be discussion of matters medical, social, psychiatric, and religious. I'm thinking religious. Well, I don't recall anywhere in this book where it tells me I have to go to church or synagogue or mosque or anything like that. So what do they mean by that? And so I think back to the previous chapter, Bill's story, that when Ebby went to see Bill, the first thing he said when Bill said, wow, there's something different about him, he said, I've got religion. But he didn't mean he went to church or synagogue or mosque. He meant that he had developed a relationship with God. So I think what they're saying is of necessity, they're going to be talking about how we have to develop a proper relationship with God. And I think a proper relationship is one where I submit my will to his, not just in the area of food, but in the area of everything. I mean, it doesn't do me any good to try to stick to a food plan, but cheat on my taxes, I won't be able to do it. That I think matters religious means that there is a God who cares deeply about me and every single one of us and wants to live with us. And that when we submit to him and try to live his will as best we can, then he does this like renovation job on our heart. So that, like, the selfish, self-centered me stops being quite as self-centered, and I become able to care about other people. Thank God someone at one point talked to me about matters religious, meaning matters of God, because my first six years in OA, all people talked to me about was a food plan. And so for my first six years in OA, I didn't get one bit better. But I'll just say to anyone who's still struggling, there is a God. He delights in launching search and rescue missions for us compulsive eaters, for us addicts, and all of us can recover if we just learn how to surrender our lives to him through these beautiful steps. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Janet B. from New Jersey. All right, Dara L., you're up, followed by John M. Go ahead, Dara. Yay, good morning. Um, I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Philadelphia. And um, I love this reading today. And I love thinking about, like, well, what, what does it actually mean to be helpful? What does it actually mean to be useful in the context of these 12-step rooms or any other 12-step rooms? And I believe that um, the only way that I can be helpful, right, is to if I acknowledge that deep down in every man, woman, and child, and non-binary person, you know, I don't, I think the big book um, might need to be updated a little in that regard, but, you know, if I believe that deep down in every human being, like, it's the fundamental idea of God, and so then my role as a helper, as someone useful, is to support people um, in decluttering, you know, and removing the barriers that stand between them and the, the truth, you know, their own truth, their own ideals, their own, you know, what is and isn't going to work for them. Um, and so if I keep that in mind, then, like, I am not qualified to advise anyone on any matters of anything 
um, having to do with the truth that exists within them because I don't know it. I don't have access to their truth. All I have access to is my own experience, you know. And sometimes I don't even have access to my own truth. Like I'm, I'm very grateful that I have loving people in my life and a really great God squad who will, you know, call me on my stuff and, and help me to, to identify what the truth is. But like I always have to remember that I, I'm not the arbiter of anyone's sex life, but I'm not the arbiter of anyone's anything. Like, I don't know if someone needs a religious experience. I don't know if someone, you know, if, if they're better off being an atheist. Like, I don't know um, what someone's supposed to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, I'm just not qualified, you know? And I think sometimes my own personal experience is that um, I have gotten myself into trouble both on the, you know, on the receiving end of other people's support and on the giving end of support. Um, when I've thought that someone else, like I've had someone else's truth in me or that they've had my truth in them. And I, and I've just seen a lot of people kind of go out around that when, when the, when the primary purpose and the experience is not to grow in a relationship with a God of their own understanding. And so I'm really grateful that today, you know, if I can keep that in mind, then suddenly, like, there both are no outside issues. Like, you know, yeah, people need to talk about religion and the medical community and all of that. There are no outside issues to um, a person's individual recovery. And also, I am not qualified to assess for anyone, like, what they need to do medically, spiritually, um, or in any other area of their life. All I get to do is bear loving witness and ask them some, you know, some pointed questions to help them identify, like, yeah, what is your abstinence supposed to look like? Like, what, what are your ideals in every area of your life? And then how do you grow towards being that person that your conception of God wants you to be? So anyways, um, yeah, glad to be here. Hopefully that made some sort of sense, and I'll pass. Thank you, Dara. Look, I finally got your name pronounced right. <laughs> that was Dara L. from Philly. All right, John M., you are next, followed by Lisa R.B. Go ahead, John. John M., press star one. Good morning, family. What strikes me about this passage is the bit about helping others. Um, I'm just starting to get that. I'm a self-centered son of a gun, as many of us are, and uh, that's not how you get well, thinking about yourself all the time, not to mention how boring it is. So... I'm praying to do that. I'm kind of a slow learner, but uh, I keep coming back to some of the slogans help me tremendously. Don't leave before the miracle happens. Uh, nothing tastes better than abstinence. Why do nine seconds of eating and, and spend uh, hours of agony over the cost of it? So, um I'm trying, and I'm slowly progressing, and I'm happy to be progressing. And I think I am ready now to help other people. I felt that I needed to heal myself completely before I could aid others, but not only is that incorrect, uh, how long is that going to take? And will we ever achieve it? Heck no. We're human beings. We, uh, we're flawed. We're fatally flawed. So. Um, I'm feeling good this morning. I'm feeling happy. I have some abstinence, precious little, but better than nothing. And uh, I'm going to keep plugging along. I'm uh, 
not with a sponsor right now. Um, and so I'm praying, well, do I just uh, make God my sponsor until I get one or what? So waiting for the guidance on that. So I hope everybody within the hearing of my voice uh, takes heart and don't give up and everything will be all right. Thank you. Thank you so much, John M. Uh, plenty of sponsors available on the second hour if you want to hang out towards the second hour there. All right, Lisa R.B., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Lisa R.B. in Crystal River, Florida. Very grateful this morning for 64 days of abstinence. And the line that stood out for me today is our very lives as ex-problem drinkers or ex-problem ex-problem compulsive eaters depend depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may meet their needs. And I'm just so grateful this morning. I was given a practice um, to get a note card and write out a spiritual principle on the front and write out my experience with that principle in the back. And I chose to practice uh, my, stent, my tenth step. And one of the spiritual principles is turn our thoughts. And yesterday, as I put turn our thought, turn my thoughts on my card, just this wealth of experiences came into my lap and by God's divine order of how I can serve him and his people. And my day was just filled with so much richness and fullness as I get out of myself and do God's work well. And how do I do that? I do that every day by on awakening, turning my thoughts over to him, completely surrendering my will, my life, my day, and asking him to help me to be fearless and thorough, asking him to help me to serve him today. And in my intuitive meditation practice this morning, I was led to come back on vision for you and be an active participator. So I just wanted to, to do that. Bless you all. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa R.B. from Crystal Rival. River, Florida. Just a friendly reminder to folks where we are. Um, if you came in a little late, we are on page 19, the fourth paragraph at the bottom of the page of necessity. There will have to be discussion of matters. Going through that one paragraph, finishing on the other page, uh, commenting on that paragraph only. Uh, we're going to take Lee H. and then we'll take some more names. All right, go ahead, Lee. Your turn. Thanks so much, Amy. I appreciate your service this morning, and uh, I'm, this is Lee H., and I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater from Tennessee, and I think the word that step, kind of stood out to me is um, respect for their opinions or attitudes, which make us more useful to others, and I just got to say, my attitude before I came into this program, there, there's a term for it. It, it's called stinking thinking, and I used to feel like that, you know, if you if you didn't believe the way that I did, well, you're just not on my side, and you know, it's like my side and the other side, and you know, <laughs> it's not a very mature way to think. Uh, 
you know, for someone who's almost 70. Um, but this program has changed my life. I remember sitting in a parking lot a few months ago, and um, I had to get away. My, my husband and I were on a trip, and I had to, we had had some words, you know, probably about politics, I guess. Um, we don't agree, and so I had to just get in the car and go make a call. So I was sitting in a parking lot. I made a call, and this friend referred me to this paragraph. And, um, you know, the part about most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints, um, and then, you know, just having respect for the attitudes of others make us more useful. And uh, it just totally helped me to change, you know, my blood pressure went down, I was more peaceful, and I was able to go back and, you know, be useful to my husband, which is where I need to practice this the most. And, you know, I was just thinking, these are great shares this morning, and as I rely on my higher power, uh, whether, you know, other people have the same higher power or not, hopefully somebody will see something in me that they like or that they're attracted to um, where I can, you know, be useful to them. And I think that's the most important thing about having um, my higher power, you know, be closer to me now is that um, I can reflect him uh, to other people and they'll see something in me that, that they can, you know, become a better person as a result of. So, Anyway, that's my thought, and I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Lee H. Okay, so we're on page 19, the fourth paragraph. Who would like to share on what was read? Ken W.H. Rick J. Elaine F. from New York. Elaine O.B.K. Did you hear Ken? Okay, hold on one sec, folks. Hold on one sec. I couldn't write fast enough. Ken W.H., Rick J., Elaine something from New York. Who did I miss? Joanne P. Rachel P. Uh, Rachel P. Kelly M. K., I think it was. Kelly M. something and Margaret. Let me see what we got here. Okay, probably room for uh, one more, I would say. Did I miss someone? Okay, so I have Ken W.H., Rick J., Elaine. Ah, Toby. Geez, sorry about that. Okay, all right, here we go. Ken W.H., Rick J., Elaine from New York, Kelly M.P., Rachel P., Margaret and Toby K. Let's see where, how we go there. Okie doke. Great lineup. Ken W. H. You are up. Please go ahead. Thank you, Amy. Um, <clears throat> blessing <laughs> to us all. Thank you. Um, the one thing I'm, I'm really aware of as I read this paragraph and, and <laughs> try to get myself out of the way, which is not always easy, is that um, the book offers a truth, it seems to me. Uh, and it starts... Before Bill writes, it starts um, with the doctor's opinion um, that I have a disease, an allergy of the body, and a compulsion of the mind. That's the truth. If I do not own that truth, which is not, <laughs> I didn't create it, 
uh, I'm in trouble. I might as well not be here. My truth is suspect, uh, can be contentious at times, can be argumentative, um, but that's not what Bill was trying to arouse in me. <clears throat> I think the book is trying to present the ideal in this, uh, the ideal uh, understanding of this truth, that if I don't put it down and I don't get right with God, I'm toast, pun intended. Um, so um, I have no choice but to uh, accept and embrace a truth that I did not create. Uh, if you want to... If I want to call it and say and make it mine, that's fine, but it's not something I created. Um, this truth is for real for people, a whole lot of people who have a problem with food. Um, I'm not even going to say everybody, but it is for me, and that's the truth for me. Uh, nothing's more important. I will be of absolutely no use to anyone if I'm back in the food. It's that simple. I'm, I'm lost if I do that. So um, when I think back that Bill, in, in 1939, when the, when the book was getting put together, the chapter to wives was not contentious or, <laughs> or controversial. Uh, it's just the way society was at that time. Things change, and it's us, it's me, that makes it contentious and argumentative if I so choose. But the book uh, was trying to reach some kind of an ideal. So what I've come to know is that I don't know. And I, uh, I said before, you know, you know, when you know that you don't know. And I don't know. I don't know what the truth is beyond the fact right now that I'm in this place and in this setting that I am a compulsive overeater who has an allergy to the body and an obsession of the mind that is out to kill me but that I also know the truth, that there is a God who has the power to solve my problem. Thank you for letting me share. Bye. Thank you so much, Ken W.H. Okay, Rick J., followed by Elaine. Go ahead, Rick. Your turn. Uh, good morning. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Uh, Rick J., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in North Carolina. And uh, yeah, that's, um, I think for me, the the one that really jumped out at me, which caused me the most problems when I first started getting into the book was anything to do with religion. And, you know, and, and I, I wasn't seeing how, how much they are trying to reach people like me, because they already know <laughs> how many people there are like me including Bill, you know, and I, I love that even though uh, Ebby, you know, shows up and says, I've got religion, he's the one that asked the most mind-blowing question that I'd ever heard in my life. Why don't you choose your own conception of God? And, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, that theme of, you know, of letting us have the freedom to to find this, it doesn't matter what you call it, and, you know, to find something that we really need to believe in something bigger than ourselves. And um, I was really struck by a paragraph that I think really um, just personifies, you know, and sets such a beautiful example for that uh, is on page 47. And, and we agnostics and it says, when therefore we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. 
This applies, too, to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. At the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. Afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth, but if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, however limited it was. We needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe, that there is a power greater than myself? As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. You know, I I take that to heart today. And what helps me more is hearing about someone's relationship with God. And if someone identifies themselves as an atheist, you know, that's, that's their prerogative. Um, but for me, it's like, oh, well, how, how can I work the steps, the, the steps that I chose not to work? Uh, two, three, eleven. It had the words higher power and God, even though the word God has, as we understood him there, I still did not want to work those steps. And it really helped me to hear people who were sharing their journey with me and help me get through that. So just wanted to share that. And I'm so grateful that we have this complete freedom. It's just, it's just a word. It's what do we believe in? That's what I want to ask myself and what I want to share with others. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Rick J. from North Carolina. Elaine, you're up. Hi, this is Elaine F. as in Frank from New York City. Thank you for the wonderful meeting and service and shares. Um, what I get from this reading is um, it says this would contain no basis for contention or argument. Um, there, you know, it talks about the bedevilments in the, um, the more beginning of the book. I mean, no, the, no, the bedevilments come before the fourth step. And, you know, I was always arguing with everyone, especially at work. And um, I, when I first started doing my fourth step many years ago, I remember, you know, feeling like something cracked inside me. And I was just resentful of everybody and everything <laughs> since day one. And... Um, to just crack that open and just work on not just, it says here, most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a respect for their opinions or attitudes, attitudes which make us more useful. Just having an attitude, I have, I have a new job now. And like I always started in my mind and my thoughts, like, you know, how looking at what everyone else is doing, no one's doing it right, no one's working as hard as me. No one agrees with me. You know, all these thoughts that are opposite and antagonistic that I'm aware of, but how can I connect with people? How can I respect where they are? And, of course, I'm no better. And why am I focusing on them anyway? You know, I'm there to do my job. Why am I thinking of what they're doing? You know, it's none of my business. So all these tools I learned in this paragraph is focus on myself and be warm and loving towards others because we're all sick and suffering. It talks we're all spiritually sick and suffering, but thank God the people here are like me and, and people here have tools to deal with that. But not everybody does. Um, it says our very lives as ex-pal and drink depends on our constant thought, constant. 
thought of others. And, you know, in, in, my, in my day, I'm so aware, like I'm so obsessed, the drama of my life, the drama of my day, all the little, um, you know, nuances in the day, like how am I going to get to the bus and how am I going to get my errands done and um, how am I going to get this done and how come I'm angry at my husband? There's all these drama, like it's really, um, you know, the day-to-day um, just, things of life that, you know, are they really that important? Like, is anybody in the hospital? No one's dying. Like, my, you know, why do I have to be stuck on the obsession of my list? So I take a break. Even if I say, send a text, how are you today? I think of some of the people in program that I, I want to see how they're doing or someone and had a baby, somebody has a sick mother, whatever's going on, you know, even a text or a, a, a call, just even for a few seconds, just to get out of myself. It's just so much of a, a wonderful way right. to live rather than being in my head. Thank you. Thank you so much, Elaine F. in New York. All right, Kelly MP followed by Rachel P. Go ahead, Kelly. Kelly, press star one to unmute. Maybe I missed her. Maybe I had it wrong. <laughs> Kelly, are you there? All right. Well, maybe there's something going on there. Maybe I can get you back later. All right. Rachel P., it is your turn. Please go ahead, followed by Margaret. Good morning. This is Rachel P. from Pennsylvania. Um, what this paragraph says to me, uh, recovered from Pennsylvania reader, by the way, um, what this paragraph says to me is I don't get to be right anymore. Um, I don't get to be right anymore. And humility, right? I mean, there are so many different topics, so many different issues, um, you know, political, um, you know, as this paragraph says, political, psychological, medical, et cetera, um, that we disagree with. That we, you know, different people have different opinions and, you know, the paragraph says essentially that um, you know, we're going to try to write this book in such a way that, um, you know, we, we don't have an opinion on these things. And the truth is that we're all human. We're going to make mistakes. We may, you know, and the beauty is that we can come back with humility. You know, before I came into this program, I thought I was right about a lot of things, especially religious. Um, and food as well. You know, I had these ideas, these notions about how I was supposed to be eating, how people should be eating. Um, and I, as a result of this desperation, right, this disease beating me down, I had to be willing to do what was suggested to me. Um, and through that process of compliance, which turns into surrender, right, progression from compliance to surrender, I found humility. And I discovered I don't have to be right anymore. Um, I can certainly have opinions on different things. And, you know, for me, I, I now espouse this value of acceptance, right? That however anybody else believes, whatever other people are doing, it's not for me to control, right? And especially in my notion of, of, of higher power, which, you know, I spent 12 years as an atheist prior to coming into these rooms now having a higher power, having spirituality, having a God, 
you know, a higher power that I call God, um, it's this shift of like, I don't have to know everything and I don't know hardly anything and I'm okay with that. And this program has given me that. And I try to carry that message that it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to not know all the answers. It's okay to not be in control. And we can, you know, lay back into the river of, of life versus trying to thrash against the waves at every moment. And for me, that's God. And, and, and that's why we're all here, right, is to carry the message of a higher power greater than us who can allow us to surrender and live in humility. Thanks for letting me share all that. Thanks so much, Rachel P. from Pennsylvania. Okay, Margaret, you're up, followed by Toby K. Margaret, go ahead. Amy, thanks so much for your service this morning. Um, my name is Margaret D., and I am a recovered, oh, thank you, God, compulsive eater in Georgia. Um, so the sentence that, for me, brings out the whole idea or the, the meat in this paragraph is when he says the real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a respect for their opinions are attitudes which make us more useful to others. Our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their, meet their needs. So um, the place where it talks about, you know, we're going to have to discuss religious matters. When I didn't, I wasn't able to get much out of this paragraph when I first studied it because I had not reached, obviously, it's on page 19 and hadn't reached page 84 where it talks about, um, well, actually 85, um, where the 11th step is um, an action. Actually, actually, it's 87, where um, the 11th step is presented to us. And in the 11th step, towards the end of it, um, we're told that if we are not a member of a religious body, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers, which emphasize the principles. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi, be quick to see where religious people are right and make use of what they offer. For many, 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 many years, I had dogma mixed up with what the actual religion offered. And because I am of the variety of addict that had to learn from an educational experience, I did not have a white light experience. Um, I was one of the things that really helped was I saw that religions did have things to offer, definite positive things to offer. Once I could get my brain to shut the mm up and just, you know, go to a corner and sit there and let me just kind of breathe. And some religions experienced extreme persecution and yet what I was able to learn from what them was they had tremendous compassion and acceptance. And that's one of the principles that I wanted to learn. Another um, thing that I was able to learn from religions that experience splits into extreme um, right or left 
you know, where they just went way crazy <clears throat> was I watched and I learned how some of them managed to stay balanced and not go to the extreme left or right. And that was because they centered or they had got at the center of the um, of their heart and not the dogma or whatever. So these religions, certain people were practicing their principles in all of their affairs. And even today, I still keep looking at other religions to see where are they right? You know, where are they practicing something that I really need to learn, whether it's just a you know, be quiet and do meditation or whatever, even though the religion itself may... And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Sorry, Amy. Okay. Thank you so much, Margaret D. from Georgia. Okay. Toby K., you are up. Hi, it's Toby K. from Long Island, New York. Could you hear me okay? I can. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, th- this paragraph touched upon exactly what was going on uh, with me um, last night. I uh, I was full of contention and argument, and um, I like the way the book says, if you're an addict, you have to be careful with the contention and the argument, because I, like somebody else said, I have the drama of my own life and and I think you should put up with it and uh, especially to my husband when I see I have like 20 things to do and he's uh, on his phone playing games uh, makes me crazy so um, I know what I have to do but I also know what you have to do and I like the way it says um, don't be controversial or argumentative. Don't uh, don't think about other people, and help the. Or if you want to think about them, help them meet their needs, because I am in this for myself, and um, I have to stop. I really have to stop and think about others and their needs, and it's not always about me. And I really appreciate this paragraph that just blew me away. Thank you so much, I pass. Thank you so much, Toby K. from New York. Okie dokie. I'd like to thank everyone who shared. What an awesome meeting. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you to Team Thursday and your service. Please keep it going and join us for a second awesome unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, Thursday, August 4th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, OA, A Vision for You Big Book Study is 19,251. That's 19251. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Nancy R., would you please read A Vision for You for us? Good morning, Nancy. I recovered compulsive overeater from Illinois. Sorry, I gotta get to the page. Okay, here we are. This is for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God and to understand God. And your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.